Jordan, I thought we were going to have church today. That's what we've been doing. Hallelujah. What is a good church service? It's a service where what God wants to happen, happens. That can be announcements, worship, and a message. Praise God. It can be everybody come in and God invades the place and uh, no message at all. No, you know, it just whatever God wants to do, you know. Jesus' is, is ministry on the earth generally consisted of a, a few things, teaching and preaching, healing the sick, casting out de uh, demons, and just setting the captives free. Teaching, preaching, ministry by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Uh, I don't have this. I'm going to pull it up on the computer back here. And, um, I, I wasn't going to look at this, um, and I'm going to. Uh, let's see here. Before we do, though, I guess we should do the offering. I'm in such a habit of doing it at the end of the service. Um, I think Kara already set out envelopes. I've lost, here's my basket. Um, for anyone that's giving today, we, I'm probably not going to take time to exhort, so if you guys would take the basket and just pass it around there, please, for anyone that's giving. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. this up here if I can. You guys bear with me here as I tinker here. I, di I didn't have this thing here planned. I want to pull up something though. Maybe I can get it. <coughs> Hallelujah. God is so good. Whew. Man. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if this will work or not. Let me try. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just can't imagine why anybody in the world would want to shun or neglect the Holy Ghost and the things He does, is willing to do in our midst if we'll work with Him, flow with Him. Look, God's a lot smarter than we are, folks. <laughs> I know you know that. <laughs> but, I mean, he is absolutely a lot smarter uh, than we are and knows just what needs to be done and how to do it and when to do it. And He's been at this for a long time. Let me share something with you. I may stay on this. I may not. I just want to show you this at the very least just quickly and then move on. James uh, chapter 1. show you something here. Okay. J uh, sorry. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. So Paul, for example, was an apostle to the Gentiles. All right? And so you have all of his epistles, epistles letters. Then you have uh, uh, John and Peter and James and Jude, and they their letters were written to Jewish people, Jewish believers, and sometimes not even believers. You can as you is look at that. James to the to who the twelve tribes. Well, we know that's the twelve tribes of Israel. Well, that was a letter to be scattered abroad, and not all not all of the twelve tribes were born again. So you see things in the book of James that will address people that are born again and are not born again. As a matter of fact, you see that through all the Jewish epistles. 
Now, we can glean from that, and there are some verses that are directly to us as believers in the Jewish epistles, but it's we need to learn in some capacity. Like there's verses in the book of James where he actually says, cleanse your heart, you sinners. Well, that's not to believers. There's not one verse in all the New Testament that refers to the born-again believer in Jesus as a sinner because we were sinners, but thank God we're not sinners anymore. People say we're sinners saved by the grace of God. Wrong. We were sinners, but we've been saved by the grace of God. Now we're a new creation, the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And there's a lot to go there. Now look at this. Check this out. He says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now check this out. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Now we're going to read this here and I'm going to show you very clearly from this letter. James is not saying that God sends you hard times to teach you lessons. Because God does not send us hard times to teach us lessons. John chapter 14, Jesus said he would send the Comforter who is the Holy Ghost and he will teach you all things. So the Holy Ghost hasn't retired in the place of storms and trials. All right. Can we learn in the midst of storms and trials? Absolutely. A lot of times we learn a lot in the midst of storms and trials. But I want you to understand, I know I'm saying a lot, and I know this might be totally different than the mindset you, you know, we've been given, but just bear with me. I've got to move quickly here. Um, but God is a love-based God. All right. So God is not a need-based God. People say, well, God sent me that storm, he made me sick, he did whatever, so I would draw closer to him. But God doesn't do that. God's a love-based God. And, you know, if we love someone, we don't treat them that way. We don't put negative things in people's paths so they will turn to, and not, unless you're sick. You know what I mean? But, like, normal people don't do that. All right? So God doesn't operate that way. All right? Now, stick with me here. So the trying of our faith works patience. In other words, patience is faith over time. Does that make sense? So patience is faith over time. Now let me say it to you this way, and this is worth remembering. It's really simple, but it's really profound. Faith does not wear a watch, all right? So faith doesn't wear a watch. What's that mean? That means, well, Lord, I've been praying about this for two months. When's it going to happen? Well, faith doesn't wear a watch. I know I'm covering a lot. Bear with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is. So when is faith? Now faith is. Faith is now. Faith is always now. Faith is not in the future. Well, one day if God wants to, he'll do it. No, faith is not one day. Faith is now. Does that make sense? All right. I, and Boy, I see the thinking caps on, and that's good. I, maybe I just need to slow down and stick with this for a minute. All right. He says this, but let patience, faith over time, the trying of your faith works patience. All right? Faith over time. Let patience, faith over time, have her perfect work or be perfected in you so that you may be perfect or complete or matured, but really complete here, and entire, wanting nothing. So that means if we stay in a position of faith, we'll receive We'll be wanting nothing. We'll be lacking nothing. Is that on behind me? Okay. So we'll be wanting or lacking nothing. Why? Because faith works. If we stay with faith, faith will work. Faith will produce. All right? Now, a lot to cover here. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, he's not changing topics here. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who give, gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith. 
For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven uh, with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, we've all, by the way, we've all done, like, Lord, it's been two months. Hello, do you hear me? Are you still there? Did you get the memo? I've been praying for a while. Do, hello? <laughs> like, are you over here? <laughs> you know, like, don't miss that. We've all done that. So don't be like, I'm not trying to be condemning or anything like that. Uh, but, but faith, now what is the, the definition of faith in the New Testament, in the Greek? It's the Greek word pistis, or that's how I say it. I don't know how you actually say it. And it literally means a conviction of truth. All right? So faith, faith is a conviction of truth. Faith is faith because it's true. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not, yeah, I hope so. Faith is a conviction. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of this. I, I actually believe this. You know what I mean? So, for example, a Muslim can believe with, with all of his being that Allah is the true God. But that's not truth. So, in a very strict, technical, biblical sense, that's not really faith. That's his faith. I know we use those terms. Don't misunderstand me. But in a biblical context, that's not faith because it's not true. Because faith's a conviction of truth, all right? Now, let me say this, and, and please grab a hold of this as well. Uh, this is a, a fairly common statement. Uh, it's worth repeating, and if you've never heard it, it'll be a blessing to you. Faith begins where the will of God is known, all right? So faith begins where the will of God is known, all right? So, like when, when a person is born again, when they get saved, you know, whatever that looked like for you, you call on Jesus to be your, you know, to save you, forgive you when you do that. Well, you were, you knew it was God's will to save you. You, you know what I'm saying? Like for me, I knew it so much, I ran from it for a long time. I didn't have to question whether, you know what I mean? You know, I got saved when I was 19 in rehab. I, I spent years, you know, running from Jesus. You know, it kind of stinks, you know, for me, like I was a drug addict, and I used to, you know, smoke, shoot, snort, drink, do everything I did to try to find some level of peace in my life. And it's like I couldn't even get high in peace. You know, I couldn't even snort coke and shoot up morphine and do it because I don't know how to explain it to you, but Jesus was always there. He wouldn't leave me alone. You know, it's like, Jesus, please let me get high in peace here. We'll, we'll think about this later. You know what I'm saying? I had people praying for me, in other words. You know, I couldn't shake it, you know. So be encouraged in that. But so I knew it was God's will that I be born again. And so that's, really, that's faith. You know, that's, that's a, a great uh, level or example of faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. All right? Now, let's keep reading here, and I'll get to what I want to get to. Let's start here. In verse, oh, verse 12, this is so good. He says, blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them who love him. Now look at this next verse, man. This is absolutely powerful. This is where I wanted to get to. Let no man say when he is tempted... Let no man say when he is tempted, tested, or tried that he is tempted of God. Now look, I mean, isn't that phenomenal? 
Well, Lord, I know you sent this storm to humble me. Lord, I know you sent this trial to teach me. Lord, I know you sent this thing so I'd call on you. Well, this says, let no man say when he is tempted, and that can mean tempted, tested, or tried. Trials, tried. Tempted, tested, or tried. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted of God. For God cannot tempt any man with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. All right? So I want you to see that. That God is not the tempter. God is not the tester. God, I don't even know if this is correct, but God's not the trier. You know what I mean? He's not the trial giver. And um, it's important for us to see. To, this is really at the fundamental core of God's nature. That, well, let me look here. Look at verse 16. I got it on here. Do not err. Don't get into error. Do not err, my beloved brothers. Check this out. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Cancer is not a good gift. Sickness and disease are not good gifts. Poverty is not a good gift. Depression is not a good gift. Loved ones dying at, a, at an early age is not a good gift. Amen. Hallelujah. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights who never changes and in whom there's no variableness, never changes, neither shadow of turning. So I don't know why I just uh, felt to go in that direction here for a few minutes. Um, and I know that that may open up a theological can of worms, you know, for some of us. Um, but something I encourage you guys with often is that Jesus came to reveal God. You know what I mean? So, John chapter 14, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, the only way to really judge the character and nature and actions and thoughts and so on of God is to look at the person of Jesus. All right? So, the Old Testament law... All of that was true and inspired, etc., but the law did not reveal the nature of God. The law of Moses and its 613 ordinances, the Scripture says in Romans that the law reveals sin. So that was the purpose of the law, to show mankind that they were sinners who needed a Savior. All right? So the law wasn't given to reveal the nature of God. Jesus came and revealed the nature of God. If it did, Jesus wouldn't have needed have needed to come because they would have already had the law revealing God. But Jesus came, all right? And so Hebrews chapter 1 also says that Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. So again, he's the exact, precise. If I want to know what God, God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, the Godhead, uh, if I want to know what God thinks, how God acts, what kind of mood God is in, what God does, um, I can look to Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, of course, just the epistles of the New Testament. And we see repeatedly, God is good. At his core, God's a good God. If you remember in the book of Exodus, Moses went up and he said, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord told him, he said, look, nobody can can see me, you're spiritually dead, you can't see me and live. 
He said, but I'm going to hide you and tuck you away in a certain part in these rocks here. And you won't see my, my front being when I come by, but you can see my hinder parts, my back parts as I pass by you. And so he said, Lord, show me your glory. But the Lord responded to him and said, uh, you can't see my goodness and live, but I'll cause my goodness to pass by you and you'll see my back parts. So Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord synonymously used the term goodness. So according to the Lord, his goodness is his glory. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. And, that, and really, that gets really simple. And this, this idea that many of us, maybe all of us, have been given at different points in our life, um, that all these bad things that are happening to me are somehow God's will for me, everything that happens, you know, nothing can, a lot of the, I know I'm touching on some holy gr- things here, like sacred cows, don't run out and leave, please. Um, let me explain some things here. You know, like, nothing can happen but that which is God's will. That's not true. That's emphatically not true. Everything that happens on planet Earth is not the will of God. All right? God, uh, God does not have sin in his being. So God is not a contributor or author of sin, but sin happened. God created angels and humans with a free will. For example, Second Peter chapter 3 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But are people perishing without Jesus? Every day. So there's something that's not God's will that's happening, right? Does that make sense? All right? So it's a dangerous thing. James chapter 4, you can turn there. I won't. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 7, if you look there, some of you, I know you're close there, some of you. I, I just don't have it plugged in here. Uh, but James chapter 4, look at the neighbor if you can. Uh, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Well, the idea that everything that happens is a part of God's will for my life would negate that verse. Instead of resisting the devil, resisting things that are not of God in my life, I, I would submit to it and say, well, it must be God's will. But that says there's things we need to resist. Amen. If everything was God's will, I would, I would need to resist nothing. Think about sickness and disease. If sickness and disease was God's plan for me, and God uh, sent me sickness to teach me, then I would be in sin and rebellion by seeking medical help. You know, if I get the diagnosis for whatever, X, Y, Z, or maybe X, Y, N, Z, you know. If that's God's will for me, and I'm supposed to learn humility and patience and whatever through this, then... I should embrace that wholeheartedly and get the full scale of that blessing by not getting medical help. But see, this, this, this stuff is it's illogical and nonsensical if you carry it out. And so the Scriptures give qualifications on God, on the nature of God. Because we say God's good. And some people say, man, God's so good, he'll give you cancer to humble you. Well, that to me, that's not very good. Cause, so there's, there's scriptural qualifications on what is the goodness of God. And Jesus came to reveal the goodness of God. Is this okay? 
I, ho I hope this is, at the very least, I hope it's provoking thought uh, on the inside of you. Um, I had absolutely no plan or intent to go in this direction at all. Um, I just kind of felt the Lord prompt me to, well, more than prompt me, I definitely felt him uh, want me to go in this direction. Um, it's why it's, it's super important to, again, judge God by Jesus. And break this thing down on a very practical level. Very practical. When we, when we get it down here to, to planet Earth, right in our everyday life, this makes sense. You know? Because you, parents, you wouldn't, if you had the ability to inject a vial full of cancer into your kid to humble them and teach them, you wouldn't do it. Right? Of course not. You know, we wouldn't do stuff like that. You know, you wouldn't, if you had a, a, a child and, you know, they were in love or married or whatever, you wouldn't arrange it for their spouse to get killed so they could learn something through that broken heart. It's absurd. And unfortunately, religion has come along and done these things to try to create a sense of, uh, of comfort in the midst of storms. And we should have a sense of comfort in the midst of storms. But that's a false comfort because it's attributing things to God that God is not the author of. Any questions or comments or thoughts on this as we're going? Anybody else? Yeah, all right, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. So, um, and again, I don't mean to, please don't get upset with me. This is just my belief. There's a saying. Uh, it's, it's not a Christian saying, but Christians use it. Non-Christians use it. Lots of people use it. And it's... Uh, Everything happens for a reason. Usually, when, in my experience, when Christians say that, the implication is for a reason, as in God is somehow the reason behind this at the core of this situation. And so I don't look at it that way. I think everything happens for a reason in terms of simple cause and effect. All right? So... Um, we don't have all the answers, um, and that's a very that's a that's a broad scope uh, covered there. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, um, bad things happen. I think there could be many reasons. Um, number one, we live in a fallen world. You know what I mean? It's just this: the world when God created original man and the earth that man was meant to dwell on, there was no sin. All right, and so Satan came in and deceived Adam and Eve, and they were the mother and father of all humanity. So all humanity was in them, you know. And so Satan, although he was already a fallen being, he was not the legal citizen of habit Earth, uh, planet Earth. All right? So Adam and Eve were. God says in Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image and give them dominion and authority, right and control, over planet Earth, all right? So sin, even though there was already a fallen devil, sin couldn't infect and run its course in Earth unless man sinned. And unfortunately, man did sin. And when he did, as, as the federal headship of planet Earth and all humanity, when he sinned, everything under his jurisdiction became infected by sin. Does that make sense? So that, that's a very general answer, you know, answer why. So... Uh, for example, um, Acts chapter 10, 
verse 38 says, How God anointed, we use this verse a lot, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. All right? So that verse there identifies Jesus as the author of healing and Satan uh, as the author of sickness and disease. All right? So we see a clear contrast, a clear distinction there. Um, but I think there's any, there's any number of reasons. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's a broad. Basically, to me, because there's, there's sin in the world and there's still a, a real devil and there's bad people at, at, at the core. I think that's a generalization of why. Um, and we all, ha we all have experiences personally for ourselves probably where we, where we were. I know there's been times in my life where, you know, you just make up your mind. Bless God, I'm going to do the right thing, whatever, you know, whatever that means in your situation. I'm going to da-da-da-da-da, do the right thing. And it's like a lot of times what happens is things were kind of going okay, more or less. But as soon, as soon, like a lot of people, before they get saved, I've heard this a thousand times, before they get saved, they... Things are okay, basically. You know, they're just a good, non-saved person. And then they get saved, and their life starts, starts falling apart. Lost their job, spouse gets mad at them, kids hate them, dog died, car broke down. I mean, it's just like, you know what I'm saying? So to me, there, there's that instance, for example, there can be, you're already lost. You're already not a child of God. So Satan didn't have to devote any extra attention to us. Now think about this. Jesus, in light of that, Jesus was the Son of God. He was God in eternity's past. He became the Son of God in his humanity. All right? So he became the Son of God. Jesus lived sinlessly for 30 years. All right? According to the Scriptures, he lived without sin for 30 years. Jesus, in Matthew the Spirit of God came upon him, and he was filled with or baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he went into the wilderness to pray. Then Satan personally came and tempted him, as we see in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. So to me, it's really interesting. Jesus was sinless, but he wasn't operating in miracles because he wasn't anointed with the Spirit of God yet. And there's no record of Satan personally coming and attacking him up to that point. But then he's, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and anointed with supernatural divine power, and then Satan comes and tempts him and tests him. So to me, that's the same thing. I'm going along. I'm not saved. Things are okay. I get saved. Satan now sees me as a threat, and now he comes against me. All right? But there can be just any, any, any number of reasons. The typical answer, Jerry, unfortunately, is there must be sin. And that can be the case, you know. <laughs> but to me, you think about Jesus. You know, the Satan can't tempt you unless you open the door through sin. Well, he came and tempted Jesus. What sin did Jesus commit to open a door? He didn't. Satan attacks because Satan attacks. Satan can attack you because you're in sin. Satan can attack you because you're not in sin. He's equal opportunity, man. He doesn't give a rip <laughs> if you're living in sin or not. He hates you because you're made in God's image and likeness. All right? So Satan... It's hard to imagine, think with me here, it's hard to, like, I don't think we, I don't know if we have the capacity to grasp just how sick and evil Satan is. You know, he's a real, he's a real person, not a human person, but he's a real being, he's a real person, all right? And if, if we look at someone, like, 
I've, uh, it used to be more so, uh, not as much now, I just don't have as much time for it now, but I used to be a, a, a mad history buff. And even to this day, I, I watch lots of documentaries on like communism, on Stalin and Romania, the USSR, Hitler and uh, fascist, Nazi socialism. Just, you know, that stuff just intrigues me, history and the way those things happen. You think about uh, Hitler, though, um, anyone ever read the account of the first time Hitler saw a Jew? Other than, because he had Jewish blood in him, but I read an account. Hitler was an artist in Austria. He was from Austria. He was an artist. And I read the account where he was on the streets selling his art, all right? And I read his firsthand account of the first time he saw a Jew. And it's really bizarre because he wrote, you know, he wrote his account down, and he was, he was like if you saw a unicorn. Huh? Is that, did I just, is that really, oh, my gosh, but I didn't, but that's, and that was kind of his, he was baffled the first, it was totally just demonic. There's no reason for it. There's no rhyme or reason why you would look at a person and just lose your mind, but he did when he saw a Jew, just totally demonic. Now, you look at the hatred that Hitler had for the Jewish people and the general number given accredited to him and his assault was generally 6 million. Some people say 8 to 10 million. I've even heard as high as 14. 6 million is bad enough, all right? So let's say Hitler's under his, whatever, authority, six million Jews were killed. Now, that's pretty sick. Understatement, I know. But that's, that's like one micro, 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 microscopic fraction of how evil and sick and twisted Satan himself is. Because Satan's the author of sin. He's the author of deceit. He's the author of darkness. He's the author of lie, lying, error, non-truth. So anything that is... Anything that is destruction in my life is not God and is not from God. All right? So, again, bad things happen. Is this helping anyone? Bad things can happen just because we live in a fallen world. And if bad things are happen, happening to me, that's not necessarily a sign that I'm doing something bad. There can be a truth to that. Paul said in, uh, in Galatians, he wasn't referring to salvation, but in Galatians, Paul said, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. Sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life. All right? So we can sow to those things, but it's just, there's just that whole, it's just, the important thing is to stay close enough to God to know what's going on. Because we can't always discern, is this just, in the natural, you can't always discern, is this bad thing happening in my life just the circumstances of life? which it can be, or is this a demonic attack against me? Because it could be. It could be either one. You know what I mean? So it's important to stay close enough to God. Like me, like, you know, if it was 10 degrees out there and snowing, and I ran out there nothing but a pair of shorts for 30 minutes, and I came back in and I was sick as a dog, that, you know, later on in the day and for the next week, like, I'm not going to be like, that was the devil. That was my stupidity, <laughs> right? That was my bad decision, my poor decisions. If we, if we habitually, continually make poor decisions, we can expect poor results. As a born-again person, we are eternally forgiven. We're saved. We're blood-bought, blood blood-cleansed, blood-washed. I could walk up to Orla and, you know, slap him in the face three times, you know, whatever, and God would love me all the same. God would be for me all the same. God would want me to not do that because that's not a God-like attribute and behavior in my life. But if Orla slaps me back or shoots me or something, you know, that's not God. That was just 
a result of my bad decision making. That, am I making sense here? So I'm trying to get us to see some things here concerning, because bad things do happen, you know, and I'm just of the persuasion that Jesus is good all the time and that the scriptures qualify his goodness. And, and, and I understand, again, we just, I don't even know what time it is. I'm probably about to, yeah, getting close to the end here. Um, I'm of the persuasion, now think about this with me here. God operates through covenants, all right? So God's nature never changes, but the covenants through which God administrates and works with people on planet Earth, you know, they do change. Back in the early 1900s, you know, there was prohibition, all right? It would be, you know, foolish to try to act like, because people do this with the Scriptures, all right, so because, and in this church, we continually endeavor to, to make those. Paul told Timothy, rightly divide the word of truth. So there are things we, may, we need to make divisions, okay? So there are things that happened in the Old Covenant that were true and real and uh, covenantally enforced for those people that are not true and covenantally enforced for us, all right? So what happens is, for example, you get to something like the book of Job. All right? Now, Job is placed later on, mid to later on, past the middle in the Old Testament. Job actually uh, is either written before Genesis or maybe after. It's the first or second oldest book in the Bible. It's, it's not placed chronologically. I wish, the, I wish our new, our at, least, at least our Old Testaments, uh, and really our New Testaments as well, were placed chronologically. They weren't. So what happens is, though, we take the life of Job, and we say, well, look what God did to Job, or look what happened to Job. Well, you're not Job. You don't live in the same covenant Job lived in. Job wasn't a born-again saint of God like you, whom Jesus had already shed his blood for. All right? And the good thing about Job, though, I believe Job has 40 chapters, maybe 42. Job, most scholars and theologians agree that his storm, his tragedy, his trial lasted for approximately nine months. So Job wasn't a lifetime stormer. I know that's a phrase I just made up, but he wasn't a lifetime stormer, all right? So if you've been sick, down, out, defeated, depressed, busted, disgusted for the last 50 years, you're not a Job because Job's busted, disgustedness lasted about nine months, according to most scholars. And the other thing about Job is that we see later on that God restored double to him everything he had lost. See, God's the restoring business, all right? Now, and so there's lots of other things that we could look at with Job, but just at least that much. There's the part of the story we never seem to get. Approximately nine months, most people think, based on his storm, and then we see where God restored double back to him. That's awesome. So if you want to be a Job, expect to get double for your loss. <laughs> All right? And so again, for us as New Covenant, after the cross people, we need to judge what is God by Jesus, by the person of Jesus. Because Jesus, there were times where he operated outright, consciously, uh, contrary to the Old Testament. All right? Because we don't know what to do with it. We don't know. It's like we don't understand. You know, and we've not been taught. It's no wonder we don't know. But we don't know the, the differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so, you know, you, you think about today's prophets of doom love to call, call down judgment on America. You know, that's what they, and God's not, God's not negatively judging America. All right? So they want to use examples of something like Elijah. Goes up on Mount Carmel, calls down fire on the false prophets of Baal, consumes them all. That was right. 
that was God, that was whatever for that time. But you get into the New Testament, into the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is with the sons of thunder, James and John. And they're passing through a town, and it says the people there wouldn't receive him because they saw he was just going through. So they were offended that he wasn't going to come do a camp meeting there for two weeks and hang out with them. He, he had to get to where he was going. James and John said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to devour them? They had Old Testament scripture to stand on for that. But Jesus rebuked them. Because while that was true and right and legitimate, that was a part of that covenant, that old covenant, that was not true, right, and legitimate for the new covenant that Jesus was establishing. Jesus rebuked them and said, You don't know what manner of spirit you're of. The Son of Man has come not to destroy men's lives, but to save men's lives. So they were standing on, Well, Jordan, it's the Bible. Well, everything in the Bible isn't directly applicable for our new covenant. And it's so important for us to understand that. Just like animal sacrifices are not uh, directly, yes, we can learn from it. We don't tear Leviticus out. It's applicable. We learn it. We see the types and shadows. We get fed spiritually through it. But we don't directly apply Leviticus to our life. You know, those are types and shadows of Jesus. Same thing with a lot of the other accounts, you know, from the Old Testament, like I just mentioned with Elijah there and the false prophets of Baal. That was right, true, real for them. But we have clear New Testament scripture that says that's not for us today. Is, that, is this helping at all? If nothing else, I hope this is getting you to think. I hope this is helping us to, because um, I, I know, I know, I, not all Christians, but I don't even know what it would be, probably 60%, 70% of Christians in America or more, I don't, I don't know, I'm just kind of speculating there, have unfortunately been given the mindset that this storm is from God to teach me. And I'm not, if, this, if I'm the first time you've ever heard that, I'm not trying to be offensive. I know that my, because people find false comfort in that. God, I don't understand this, but I know that you're working all things for my good. I'm not trying to be offensive to you if that's your belief. I, I hope I'm not coming across that way. Uh, but I want us to see that, that just as much as we wouldn't do our, Jesus talked about that. He said, if one of your kids came and asked you for bread, would you give him a serpent? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Like we, you, you know, yeah, well, yeah. And how do we do that today? Well, we do that when we say, you know what? I was praying for God to give me deeper trust in Him and deeper patience, and praise God, He gave me cancer to teach me patience and trust in Him. Well, that's what Jesus was saying. If they come and ask you for bread, patience, trust, would you give Him a serpent? Would you give Him something harmful, venomous, destructive, life-threatening? He said no. And then Jesus, that was the point. You guys know the account. There's a couple of accounts where he talked about that. He says, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And in God's kingdom, there isn't cancer. In God's kingdom, there isn't depression. In God's kingdom, there isn't torment, despair, hopelessness, defeat. All right? So again, that's not to say that if I'm in a storm or a trial, that doesn't mean I've done something wrong. And I want all of you to be to understand that and be solidified in that. That doesn't mean you could be doing everything right. One of the uh, one of my mentors, uh, the man whom I used to work for, the Bible college I taught in, I, it was his Bible college, Norval Hayes. He was a super successful businessman, and uh, Norval uh, lived in Columbus, Ohio, uh, or Indianapolis. And he was traveling to Columbus, Ohio to a board meeting. Super, 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 super successful, uh, wealthy businessman. 
and he was 33 years old. And on his way home that night, the Lord came from Columbus back to Indianapolis after his meeting. The Lord came in his car and uh, manifested his presence to him very strongly and just wrung him out. And Norville just cried for an hour and a half. And he came back home and he walked in his door and his wife said, uh, you know, what happened to you? It was clear something had happened. He said, you look like you've seen a ghost. He said, I can't tell you. You won't believe me if I tell you. He was a Baptist. He went to the First Baptist Church in Indianapolis. And finally, obviously, she got it out of him. And he said, Jesus came in my car tonight, literally, and talked to me for an hour and a half, rung me out. And he told her, he said, I don't know what this means, but I'm his now. The rest of my life, I'm doing whatever he tells me to do. Well, it was just over the process of time she left him. His spouse, the love of his life, left him because now he wanted to follow Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus didn't make that happen. She could have followed too. You know what I mean? And so things just happen. People have free will. People have their own thoughts, their own personalities. And, you know, things happen. Those, for me, those, as I close now, those are a few safeguards for me. No matter what circumstance I'm in, you know, the last couple of years um, have been some of the hardest years of my life, to be honest with you. Death of people that are very close to me and bad things that have happened, uh, just health problems, um, generally very healthy and just repeated health problems, just one thing after another, man, just seems like. Um, but for me, I safeguard myself by saying, okay, God is good. I'm going to judge God, who He is to me, what He's doing in my life on the basis of who Jesus is. Because we don't want to create circumstance theology. Circumstance theology says, well, they prayed for healing for six months. It didn't happen. It must have not been God's will. The problem with that is that's not what the Scriptures teach. Scriptures teach Jesus is always His will to heal. All right. Now, I know that, again, that opens up a whole new can of worms. I understand that. We only have so much time in a day. <laughs> so as we get ready to close here, um, anything that I said in response to Jerry, that's probably the longest answer you've ever heard in your life to a, a question. That's a hard, hard question to answer. I don't pretend, let me say this, I don't pretend to have all the answers. I don't pretend to know everything. Um, I'm well aware that my thoughts on these things are quite contrary to much of mainstream American Christianity. It's certainly not, um, not out there. I'm not the only one who believes this way uh, by far. Um, but for me, those are some of the safeguards that I do. I judge who God is, what he does by the person of Jesus. I always bring into account free will. All right? that, to me, that's a, that's a healthy safeguard in my life. I have free will. Other people are free to do bad things to me. I don't like it. Yes, God can intervene and, and etc. But there's free will. The devil has free will. All these things. So that to me, those are things I, I are healthy safeguards. And I try to I try to stick to the word, the written word of God. If the word of God says such and such, what? Remember earlier, I said faith begins where the will of God is known. The word of God reveals the will of God. All right. So the word never changes. The word will never change itself to line up with my circumstances. All right. My dad one time, my dad, uh, I'm 30 years old. Dad has been sick. I can remember uh, maybe three or four times in my life. 
He, uh, he just believes in healing. He believes that's his right, his blood-bought right. He sticks to it, and he doesn't turn loose of it for anyone or anything, and he's walked in God-given divine health because he grabbed a hold of it with his own faith. One day, Dad got sick. He was out working in the yard, and some who knows what came and hit him. And Dad crawled from the yard. He couldn't walk. It hit him so bad it put him on the ground. He crawled from outside into the house into his bed. And so he got in there, and he did what we all do. Lord, what's going on? What is this about? And it's really funny. He said, Lord, you know, what, what is this? And the Lord spoke to him and said, by my stripes, you're healed. And, and Dad, you know, hopefully Dad will come preach for us one of these days, but um, Dad, you know, kind of funny. Lord, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't feel healed. I'm sick as a dog right now. And the Lord... See, the Lord will not change his beliefs to line up with our circumstances. People say, God believes that Jesus is the only Savior and the only way to God. God believes that. God believes Jesus is the only way. God is not going to change that for somebody who wants to believe something else. All right? So, God wouldn't change his theology to line up with dads. Lord, I'm sick. What's going on here? By my stripes, you're healed. I don't want to hear that, Lord. I need, tell me something else. What's going on here? By my stripes, you're healed. And so I don't know how, how long uh, Dad wrestled with the Lord about that. And finally, he just waved the white flag and said, Okay, if you say I'm healed, I'm healed. And Dad just took his stand on the Word. I'm healed because the Word of God says in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, and 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, that by the stripes of Jesus, my body has the right to physical healing now. So by his stripes, Lord, by your stripes, I am healed. And so he just took a stand on that, and, he, and healing manifested. That thing left him. But Dad could have stayed sick. And I don't guess he ever knew what it was. He didn't, he didn't take enough time to go to the doctor and find out. He just wrestled with the Lord about it, took a stand on the Word, and received his healing. And so that wasn't some sovereign thing that God did for Dad because Dad's a special vessel. If Dad wouldn't have took God at his Word, he would have stayed sick, you know, for however long or whatever. It wasn't God's will for dad, but not God's will for me. No, it's God's will for all. God can't undo the stripes that Jesus bore for our healing. He can't undo that for anyone. That's always his will. Just like salvation is always his will. All right? So, again, I know we're just covering so much ground here. This, I had absolutely no intent to cover any of this, uh, but maybe it, maybe it was, uh, helped you and worked out for you here. And I know that's thought-provoking, and if that freaks you out and makes you mad, I, I was not my intent, honestly. I, if, with all sincerity and humility, I'm not trying to, uh, whatever. Um, so I hope that doesn't scare you off too bad. Um, and if nothing else, I hope it gives you some things to think about and to consider and and um, to apply to your life. Um, we're, it's you know it's 12:08. Are there any other questions or thoughts? You're dismissed. But does anybody have any questions or thoughts? Okay. Well, I I do hope that helped you. Um, and, and maybe as time goes on here, we can sp specify and hone in and answer some of these things a little more in-depth. And in and, and That's challenging for me. It's challenging for me to stand up and say, I believe it's always God's will to save. It's always God's will to heal. Only good, never bad, comes from God. Because none of our circumstances line up with that. My life circumstances do not agree with that. But I, my circumstances can't change the written word of God. And so as a mature Christian, 
as someone who at least endeavors to be a mature Christian, I think it's extremely foundational. You know, you know, take Joe at his word. Joe, can you pick me up tomorrow at such and such at 3 o'clock? Yeah, man, I'll do it. Well, Jordan, how do you know Joe's going to come? Well, he's a man of his word. Joe said he'll do it. Man, he'll do it. He keeps his word. Well, the written word of God is God's word. God's a God of his word. God keeps his word. All right? Now, you know, does, it, does that example make sense? Okay, I, if I don't stop, I won't stop, so I need to stop. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this and pray, pray here and dismiss this here, and um, I hope that helped you.